Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. No big hello for me today. I'm a little under the weather, but we're still doing our Peristyle podcast. It's a Tuesday, not a Monday like we normally do. We're going to have Coach Harvey Hyde coming on the show. And again, apologize. I uh, wasn't able to do a show yesterday. Still getting over a little bit of a cold, but uh wanted to come out here and do it. We got emails and stuff about it. So podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. You can call us at 641-715-3900, extension 816. 646 to leave a voicemail or just go to our website peristylepodcast.com you can leave a voicemail right from there as well we also have uh we're on the itunes we're on audio boom stitcher radio tune in radio a lot of different ways to get the show if you see it out there somewhere and it's our show's not there for some reason some podcast platform you like let me know and i'll make sure it's added to that but let's bring in the coach what is up coach how you doing Ryan, it's great to see you again. I, had, I wanted to get over and see you at Elton John's party <laughs> after the Oscars, and uh, you're telling everybody you were a little bit under the weather yesterday. You were surrounded by stars and uh, <laughs> didn't get a chance to see you, but I'm glad you made it back and you're ready to play here on a Tuesday with our podcast. Yeah, the Elton John's party, that was off the hook. That's what, that's what really put me over the top, Coach. Um no, unfortunately, I was like lying on the couch watching the Oscars and uh, not feeling very well. And I don't know if you watch the whole thing. I'm not big into all that kind of stuff. My wife likes to watch it. But at the end, it's like you're kind of ready to tune out. Okay, La La Land wins and you're ready to check out. And then <laughs> they're like, wait, no. And you think it's some kind of joke and it wasn't. And they call the wrong name. And then instantly, this is what's great about Twitter, coach, and I, I don't know if Twitter wasn't around, it would have been as fun as it was, but to see all the tweets and memes and everything after the Oscars screwed up at the last thing, that was a lot of fun. Well, you know, it was a lot of fun, but it was <laughs> very embarrassing to the Academy <laughs> and and uh, after ceremonies, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy says, Kimball says, well, they can't blame this one on me, but if I'm not back next year, you know why. <laughs> It was great, and those things do happen, and it's, it's a shame because it's a it's a celebration, then all of a sudden it's a funeral if you're La La Land. So uh, it's done, it's corrected, just move on. Yeah, it was, uh, but that was that was kind of interesting. Um, but I bit so we talked last week, and I want to let people know about having like a guest, uh, like a someone from the audience, a listener, come on the show with us. And I'm sorry I wasn't able to put that together. I've just been out of it most of the weekend. Um, so we did have, we, people were emailing, like saying they want to be on it. Like this is a voicemail thing. So you have to call if you want to be on the show, like your voice and talk, you can't email me. You have to call us. So 641-715-3900 extension 816-646 or peristylepodcast.com. We'll probably do it sometime in the middle of spring ball. And I, I did have people say that they couldn't really do it at 10 o'clock on Monday. So maybe we'll move it around coach. So we won't put a time restriction on it. Uh, we'll, we'll arrange with you if you have the best voicemail. Um, we'll arrange with you to, you know, a time that'll work for all of us. But I think that'll still be fun, but I'm sorry, coach. I couldn't get that together with this, with the, uh, sickness coming on. 
No, don't worry about that, buddy, because, you know, we can adjust that. If nothing else, we can just tape that segment when that person can do it and sort of edit it into the show, you know? Yeah, we could do that, too. So we'll we'll be flexible. Um, so just call us if you want to be on the show and talk to me and Coach about what's going on. Maybe it's better to do it in the middle of spring football, too, if there's questions about kind of what's going on with the team. So it uh, should be fun, so hopefully you guys do that. Um, but should we, you want to jump into our regular questions, coach? Well, I do, but I want to tell you where I got my tickets to the, uh, uh, Oscars to. Oh, so yeah, well, go ahead. Southern California tickets. Uh, tell them about it because you can get just about anything. So that's how coach got to the Oscars. Um, Southern California tickets hook you up, sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for anything. You don't need them for the USA Spring Game. You can just go buy those at the door. But for pretty much anything else here in Southern California or across the country, go to Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com, and uh, get, I guess they got coach of the Oscars, so that's pretty cool. No, I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta confess, okay, buddy? <laughs> I gotta confess. I watched the Oscars the same way you did in front of my TV with the red carpet starting about two in the afternoon. I just stuck with it the whole way. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, I'm not big into the whole celebrity thing, but it's the Oscars, you know, I like, I'm not a huge tennis fan, but I like to watch the majors, you know, I like to watch, you know, big, the majors in golf and things like that. Um, Oscars is a big one. So it was, uh, when I was at USC, uh, they had a couple of the award shows over at the Shrine Auditorium. Right. I think it was the Grammys and the American Music Awards. So when I was a freshman, like, I think it was a sophomore in college. I got like a security job over there at the shrine. So I worked some different events, but you get to work like the couple of different award shows, which was kind of fun, you know, being a, you know, 19 year old kid or whatever from the East coast, you don't really bump into celebrities all the time. So that was kind of a good indoctrination into Los Angeles and the celebrity culture, kind of seeing all those people. Well, that's the Super Bowl of the movie industry. And uh, also Daytona, that was this past weekend. That's a, the Super Bowl of NASCAR racing. So we had a big weekend, but let's get into what we need to do. Yeah, I actually watched that too, and I did never watch uh, NASCAR, but my wife wanted to watch it, so I ended up watching that. It's where they have the Super Bowl first. It's like the Super Bowl opening weekend. Right, right. <laughs> well, let's jump in. Uh, we'll go to Paul in Vegas, coach. He says, I heard a quote from a famous coach. He said it might have been Bill Parcells. Uh, you can never have too many pass rushers. So my question is, Assume we could get all the top linebackers in this class's strong group. Could we take up to five with the idea uh, being that one or two of them might develop into outside pass rushers? The hybrid role could maybe justify that high number of taking that many, many linebackers. Paul and Vegas wanted to get your thoughts on that, Coach, uh, about over maybe overstocking with the linebackers. Well, I don't think you ever have too many great players. Then, of course, you uh, recruit to your needs and your philosophy of what you're running on defense. Uh, I know that uh, uh, when we played New Mexico, uh, gosh darn it, I'm trying to think of the name of the coach, but Rocky Long uh, followed him, and uh, he runs that type of de- defense at San Diego State. You never can figure out what they're going to do. They run like a three-man front, and, you know, three, five, whatever, three, and uh, they just come at you from all different angles. It's very difficult to prepare for a game plan. That's why their defense was so good this past year, and they had so much uh, great success this year and last year because they play such uh, great defense and ball control on offense. But uh, 
I think whenever you can get a great player, you never turn that great player down because you can't pass on great players. You'll find a place to play them uh, if you're fortunate enough to do that. But, uh, you know, uh, I think great linebackers can be played in a lot of different positions. You can do a lot of different schemes with them. Uh, and with the offenses today, you know, with the spreads and everything you're facing, you've got speed at linebacker, and you can do a lot of substitution. But uh, I don't know. I, I've always said, uh, well, when I was in community college, we didn't have a limit. So I used to tell backs when we recruited them, I'd say, it's better for you to come here and compete and find out how good you really are than to go somewhere and watch this kick your butt. So, you know, I think you can – you can recruit to that level and talk that level, and uh, you sort of wash out the player who really doesn't pl- want to play at that level. Sort of runs from the competition. But uh, I agree. I-, I think you can, you know, any time you can get too many of on- one position, then you're giving up something else somewhere else. But you've got to make sure you're balanced, and it's really a tough thing to do is let a great player go. So if he's a great, great player, I still take him. All right, makes sense, Coach. Uh, Martin in Ontario says, first, how important is it that Clancy, Clancy Pendergast, is at USC for a second year in the development of his philosophy, scheme, and player skill development for his defense? I believe with Clancy's second year, we'll see more tweaks to the schemes and the players' uh, better understanding of assignments. Um, so maybe you get your comments on that, Coach. I think it's very important. Because you just get better at what you're already doing. You're not reteaching a, an entire defense. Uh, players uh, understand what you're talking about when you talk about a defense. They understand what the responsibilities are. And they get better at it. And not only that, all the recruiting now is being done to fit his style of defense, which is even better. So, yes, it's very important you keep your coaches. You don't want a lot of turnover on your staff. Because players get used to you. They understand what you need to do. You, they understand the schemes. They understand the philosophy. Uh, they like you. They play hard. So, yeah, uh, I think they'll be better. Uh, but it all comes down to the players. How good are your players uh, and uh, how hard and uh, how well you teach them to perform what you want them to do. So, yeah, I mean, anytime you don't have turnover, as long as you're successful on that side of the football, you never want to have a change. You just get better and better and better on, you know, in what you do, uh, and the kids understand what you're doing, and you recruit to that type of defense and that type of player you need. So absolutely it's good he'll be, uh, the players will be more into what they're doing this year. Spring will be a completely different spring as far as being ahead of last year. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. Um, just one of those things to watch. He had a second part of the question, which is not really about USC football, but he wants to know, he said, second, with the NCAA in financial distress, he said with a $200 million settlement and more coming, uh, the Power Five conferences are in a unique position to pressure the NCAA to make changes to bylaws to better serve the Power Five. Or would it be better for the Power Five to break away from the NCAA to another governor- or governorship and make the Power Five into, like, say, four regional conferences, like the Northwest, Southwest, Northeast, and Southeast? That's He says, fight on, Martin in Ontario. Well, Martin, here's how I feel it. Uh, the NCAA is somewhat, I think, intimidated now by the Power Five. They're afraid to really do anything to upset them because they might just do what you suggested, pull away and be the super conferences. 
And then what happens to their Lear jets? And then what happens to them having their uh, meetings in Hawaii and Carmel and La Jolla and the places the NCAA chooses to have their meetings? It's amazing. Why can't they have it on a campus in a dorm like everybody else does and save money? Spending at that level is unlimited. They travel. They have two-hour meetings. Uh, then they play golf in the afternoon. And, you know, just check one of their itineraries and find out what they're going on. They have banquets. They have $1,000 dinners, the best of wines, all of that type of stuff, not just on the NCAA level, but also a lot of the meetings that administrators have. So, yeah, you know, I think it's very important that the NCAA – uh, maintains uh, a relationship with the Power Five, or the Power Five, P- Power Five leaves and forms their own association where they can go unlimited. They can pay players if they want. They can give unlimited scholarships if they want, uh, and then maybe play the lower-level teams uh, so they can stay in existence uh, as far as with guarantees. I mean, uh, yeah, it's very important. I tell you, there's so many unanswered NCAA violations that are out there by Power 5 schools that seem to never get addressed. But all of the others get addressed. I mean, whatever happened to the North Carolina academic situation? I don't know. Uh, what was it, 10 or 15 years? People didn't attend classes or something? Ryan, I, I apologize if I'm wrong at what I was reading, but that seemed to be something. Yeah, they got, like a, they got a slap huh? on the wrist. They got a slap on the wrist or something. It never ended up being anything. Or it got there was something wrong yeah. with the investigation. Yeah, it really never evolved into much of anything. No, it didn't. No, and the same with the Notre Dame situation. Or I can give you other situations, and then yet USC gets sanctions uh, because of what their situation was. And we've been through that before, so I don't want to get into that. But I think the NCAA has lightened up on the Power Five conferences, but they are needed to survive the NCAA office and give the administrators that are there a real luxury as far as who they are, the egos they have, how they travel, the salaries they make, and all of the above. Where would they relocate? How would they be able to be afforded and do the things they do? Because of the young kids who go out, play on Saturday, play on Friday, play all year round to bring revenue in from the television contracts and so on so that they can uh, have big budgets and do what they need to do. And if you're, an, if you're an administrator out there and you're upset at me, then please do me a favor. Tell me when you ever had a meeting in a dorm or a Motel 6 and it wasn't the Ritz-Carlton or, or one of those hotels. Please do that and I'll stand corrected, okay? <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, all right, Coach, well, let's move on. Uh, Tarek had a question. Can you see a Jane Harris moving to a Dory Jackson's vacant cornerback spot and doing well there? I think he's a good athlete. Uh, let's don't forget about Jack Jones. You know, he's a pretty good player. Uh, he played a lot last year as a freshman. I think there's going to be great competition in the secondary. You know, we don't talk a lot about a lot of the players that are there returning in the secondary. There are a lot of players they got a lot of playing time that is uh, that, that are returning and know the schemes and know what to do and know what the competition is. Yet, there are great players coming in, which makes them better because of the competition. We talk about that. The more better players, the better you get, the better competition you have. Yeah, I think he could play, uh, given the opportunity and getting a lot of reps and making the type of plays you need to be 
uh, made and stand out on the film. I used to always be able to watch a video, and I watched all the videos. Uh, I respected my coaches on what they said, but I wanted to watch them in action too. And players jump off the screen at you. You say, run that again. Let me see that one again. Who was that? Holy cow. Did he do a great job on that play? Great players appear on the screen. Don't try to find a player. Great players would jump out at you. Not only in, at USC, but in high school when you're recruiting. How about this combine they're having now in Indianapolis? What a waste of time that is. I mean, think about the millions of dollars that are spent in the evaluation throughout the year. They start evaluating these players when they're a freshman, really. They come to practice every practice. Uh, just about you have some NFL scout there. Then you open up your offices and you give them all the tapes to watch and you feed them a little lunch to make sure they're they're happy. And then you have pro day where they come to pro day and they can test their, your players in any way they want. Then they come to the games and they watch the games and then they watch the films. And then they go back and they have more meetings to decide who's the better players. Now, I think it's fun to get together as a as a get-together back there and take 300 kids out of college and take them out of their classes and have them train for six weeks before they go back there and drop school and so on to, to be able to go to the combine and not to get their degrees. But I say, why is this necessary? Can you tell who a football player is or not? We've been evaluating these kids all along and then, how high a guy can jump or how fast he can run in the 40. If you don't know that now, that's that's saying, telling me you don't know what a football player looks like. And then why do I care what they do in shorts and a T-shirt? I care what they do with a uniform on. How fast are they with a uniform on? Some kids carry their uniform very well, and some kids don't carry a uniform well at all. So, you know, I think a lot of that is all just overrated building up to the hype and the marketing of the draft that will be coming along. Yeah, I guess I answered that. I don't know how I get into that, but I did. Yeah, we got the combine rant. That starts on Friday, so uh, there's yeah. eight, eight USC players will be involved in the NFL combine. And, uh, yeah, I, I kind of like watching them, but you're right. I mean, it's just like when we cover seven-on-seven seven events in for high school because this is the off season. it starts right up after signing day, Coach. We start seeing – so basically now – we're looking at all the 2018 kids and they're playing in seven on seven tournaments and it's t-shirts and shirts. There's no tackling. Um, and you know, we put up, we put up footage of them so you at least see like what kind of player they are. But you're right. There's players that are great at seven on seven and they're nowhere near as good when it comes to putting pads on. Yep. And uh, these guys are supposed to pay pros who do this and, uh, you know, and, and I don't know. Maybe they have so much money they really just got to spend it. I don't know what they spend in, in scouting millions of dollars. And I know you can't have a bust on a number one draft choice. And uh, if you do have a bust on a number one draft choice, then obviously you point to someone and they take the blame. And I don't want to point fingers around the world on who uh, have busted players. But when you pay a guy that much money, you can't make a mistake. And if you make a mistake, obviously – you know, you might get fired or so. Uh, but, of course, you've got to be able to have the knowledge to know who's a football player and who isn't. And it doesn't take, you know, sitting in a in a stadium at all different seats with your little notepad uh, making decisions on who can do this or who can do that, please. All right, let's, uh, let's go to Jonathan in Northridge. He said, Jalen Green will be one of the few veteran receivers coming back this season. 
He has been a reliable pass catcher whenever the ball was thrown to him, and he has proven that he can throw a strike down the field for a touchdown. How does having two quarterbacks on the field for every snap of the game affect the other team's defense, and what does this do for our offense? Thanks for uh, all that you gentlemen do. Uh, and Coach Harvey Hyde, your insight, uh, your insightful football analysis is always appreciated. Fight on, Jonathan and Northridge. Jonathan, thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, all I do is give you my opinion, as Ryan does, and sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong, but at least that's the way we see it. Uh, I think it gives you a lot to have athletes on the field. Athletes that can do more than just one thing, and that's what Green can do. Anytime he's in the game, you better always point out number so-and-so's in, number so-and-so's in. I can't remember his number right now. And you've got to prepare for that when you're in meetings and you're making game plans. And you have to understand that when he's in the game, these certain things can happen. Now, when these certain things can happen, sometimes that dictates the calls you can make on defense because of what he can do. So it's a, it's a double threat of a, of a run or a, or a, a pass or option or different things that you can have. So certainly it gives you a different dimension on offense that you wouldn't have if he's not in there. You just need to do it once in a while. Even if you do it just in a scrimmage, they see that. Don't think coaches don't know what you're doing during the spring. They know. They talk. They talk to pro scouts. Pro scouts go from place to place, and the way they get favors is tell you what other people are doing. How is uh, their practices up there? Oh, they weren't like yours, Coach. I mean, you guys are getting it done up there. They're a little bit more lighter. They don't hit as much. Well, you, know, you get a little, a little information from these pro scouts that sort of travel around. And then they say, this green kid, they've really uh, used him a lot in the spring as far as uh, pass options and different things, and they're using him a lot, so... In the opening game, you know, you better prepare a little bit for the spread and run option. Yeah, like you're going to take Sam Darnold out of the game. But, uh, you know, it, it works. It helps. And you just need to do it once in a while. And you've got to have the athlete uh, sometimes on your team that can do it all. Green is one that can. All right. Yeah, it would be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he's used. Uh there's some fun stuff you can do with them. So we'll, we'll kind of watch them in the spring and let you know what we see. Uh, Reggie in Seattle. Um, so he's, so this was a, he was listening to, um, a podcast we did with Gerard Martinez, uh, recruiting podcast. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this. He said, I was listening to the most recent recruiting podcast with Gerard. One of the questions that came up was regarding the linebacker commit. And so, so I don't want to screw his name up, but I, I'm pretty sure this is how you say it. Uh, Pellier. And then, uh, Giotioti. So it's, there's a G to start his name, but you don't really pronounce the G. It's kind of like Giotioti. So, um, but anyway, about him, whether he would be given the number 55 or if he would have to earn it. And he said he listened to an interview that he had on YouTube and it stated that he was told that he would have an opportunity to earn that number 55, that he would start off with number 10. But his dream by his senior year was to earn and wear that number 55. So he understands that he wasn't promised that jersey, but he could earn it. Uh, so he says, fight on Reggie in Seattle. But I kind of want to get your thoughts on that, Coach, about numbers and things like that, how important that is to you in the recruiting process and when the coaches kind of do something like that. Well, it's important uh, to kids. Kids... uh are superstitious like coaches are and everybody else, and they grow up with a certain number. 
and they'd like to have that number and wear it forever. Uh, number 10 is the way I know him as now. I don't think he'd want number 55 unless he deserved it. And uh, I think he would have to earn that while on the field at USC. That's the way I feel. I think people would respect him more. The members of the team would respect him more. Uh, and that's quite a process to wear number 55. I think to wear number 55 puts additional pressure on you as an incoming player. Uh, I think that he should be told, as, as you said, that in the future, if you are the type of player that you can be, there's no question about you wearing number 55. But I think that to be accepted by your teammates, to be like anyone else on our football team, you should come in and earn the right to wear 55. That would be my discussion with him. But I wouldn't want to lose him over that. If you remember several years ago, Mike Garrett's numbers retired, and it was a big thing. I can't remember the name of the player out of Long Beach Poly that wanted to wear Mike Garrett's retired number, and Mike was the athletic director at that time, and he said, definitely, if that kid wants to come to USC, he can wear my jersey. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was Darnell Bing. Darnell Bing, and, and it came out of retirement for several years. So if it's a big thing to a kid, I think it's something that you offer him, but I think he's accepted more by the team if he earns it also. I think you, you explain to him you want to be accepted by your peers, you want to be accepted by your teammates, you don't want us to treat you differently than anyone else, and uh, that way uh, your teammates will say he deserves to wear that number. Um, coach, we got one more question, and this is regarding, uh, the running back coaching vacancy. So just to get people, uh, updated on what's going on there, um, it's, uh, you know, Tommy Robinson obviously left for LSU. Um, USC's in the process of hiring somebody. They wanted it to start, you know, have someone in place before spring football. Uh, we had T. Martin on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and he said that, uh, he was going to be involved in the hiring process. And then Bruce Feldman, end up breaking the story that um, Delan McCullough from uh, Indiana was going to be the next running back coach. And it looks like that, you know, talk to sources at USC, they confirmed it, but they're not, um, it's not finalized yet and it hasn't been announced yet. Um, but if you look at him, he, you know, like he followed me, for example, like uh, McCullough, um, he's following a lot of USC people, you know, it's, it's happening. It's in the process of happening, but it hasn't been finalized. All the signings and all that kind of stuff. Um, but so the question, I think this is what Reggie was, was talking about. Um, why do coaches even sign contracts? I understand the purpose. However, it seems like they don't really matter when a coach wants to leave for another position. I'd like to know why colleges don't just say no when college coach, uh, colleges contact them about hiring their coaches. They're under contract. It's almost as if uh, making coaches honor their contracts is frowned upon. I'd like to know what your take is on that. And that's Reggie. Well, I'll tell you, <clears throat> I've had that happen a couple times. And uh, when I was coaching, everything was year to year. Now, I didn't have that. I had a three-year re revolving contract, which meant every year on the completion of my year, I got another three years. That's what I asked for. I always wanted to know I had three years on my contract, so if they let me go, I still had two years on my contract. I like that type of setup. Now, they don't do that as much anymore, but I thought it was a real fantastic way of doing it. That way I could always tell a recruit, I've got two more years or three more years. If it was right after the season, I had three more years. So uh, 
but during my years as a head coach, my assistant coaches had one-year contracts from year to year, year to year, year to year. And the reason for that was we couldn't afford to buy out coaches. If coaches had two years remaining on their contract and and uh, say I had to let him go or whatever, well, I had to pay him for that. And I couldn't then replace him with another quality coach because I didn't have the money in my budget. When you get your budget, you say, okay, you're allowed a million dollars for your assistant coaches. Well, you can divide this up any way you want, and you decide what you're going to pay your coordinators, this, that, whatever. Well, we didn't have the money at that time to do that, and I think right now at USC there aren't too many coaches that have multi-year contracts. I, I, I know that one thing Tommy Robinson asked for was a multi-year contract, and uh, maybe that was part of the reason he left because he could get one at LSU, but wasn't. This is what I hear now. I don't know, but what he he didn't receive that opportunity at USC. So there's a lot of, of that, and and you know sometimes you have to give someone a two or three year contract, and you do not have to let them out of it. But what happens? They uh, get clauses in there that say that you will let them out, or they can get bought out. And that's what head coaches have in their clauses that, yeah, I just signed a three-year contract, but if someone comes after me, it'll cost the other university a million dollars they have to pay us for me to be released from my contract to go there. And that happens a lot today, as you know, if you follow uh, coaching changes. Uh, and I, the way I look at this is, is this, you know, there's special opportunities that coaches work for, and it's, it's tough that sometimes as a head coach you can't compete when a kid a kid comes in, I call him assistant coach, comes into your office and he sits down and I know when he's coming in to ask him for a raise or he's coming in to tell me, coach, I've got an opportunity to go somewhere else. I know it when he comes in the door. And I'm happy for him, but I'm sort of sad for me and I'm mad. I'm mad because I didn't know about it, first of all, because I wasn't contacted or had a chance to recommend him. I sort of felt they went behind my back to get this done. I'm happy for him because he's getting an opportunity to move from college to the NFL, which I had a lot of coaches do, which was great, and get a pay raise. But then again, I look at my situation and I say, I started this kid. He was a GA. He came in here. He didn't have any job. I made him full-time. I gave him responsibilities, and now he comes here and he tells me he's going. So I say, where's the loyalty? Well, there isn't any loyalty anymore, anywhere. Even from the administration, there's no loyalty. Coaches go out and recruit, and the next day after they sign a national letter of intent or whatever, they leave for another job. Or the president decides to get rid of you. He pats you on the back at the football banquet. There's never been a coach at our university like this ever before. You haven't seen anything yet. You certainly haven't. The next Monday, he let you go. How about the Nevada-Reno coach this year? He beats UNLV by five touchdowns. Big rivalry game. The plane lands back in Reno, and they fire him. I mean, normally you think, man, that was a great win. Let's enjoy it. So there isn't any really real loyalty in this game anymore. It's, it's me now. It used to be team and me. You want it to be team but it's very difficult to be that.
Yeah, and uh, just to, I'll add some stuff to what Coach is saying. I mean, I, I think, Reggie, when you look at this, you can't think of it as a, a contract like it's a mortgage or something where it's locking in both sides. There's there's specific reasons why you have contracts, and it isn't to lock people in for life or whatever. They're not these ironclad sort of things where, um, you know, you're, you're, it's basically going to give a guarantee to a coach that they're going to get paid for that amount of money. So if they're fired before the contract ends, they're still going to get paid. Um, I think you see there's more restrictions on head coaches, but it's such a, it's such an industry where there's a lot of upward mobility and you're talking about college. There's places to go in the NFL too. There's so many other opportunities. It's not like a lot of them are getting paid a ton of money. Um, so you have to give them the flexibility to be able to leave and get more money somewhere else. Um, I think for USC specifically, from what I was told, assistant coaching contracts are typically two years. And I think Tommy Robinson ended up getting three at LSU, but he also got, you know, more money and a couple of new titles. So I think that's a lot of the reason why he ended up leaving. But if you're an assistant coach, um, I mean, you're, you're moving around, you got a young family and you're trying to figure out what to do. And, um, it's not like if you don't get a better, they're, they're not, putting you in a contract that if you get a better opportunity, they're saying you can't do it because you're under contract with us. If you get a two year deal and you know, you come in with a new coach and he ends up getting fired. Uh, I think we saw this with Clancy Pendergast when he came in, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin gets fired. If he had a two year contract, he was guaranteed money that following year. And that kind of protects you, but that's really the only protection you have. There's a lot of comings and goings with coaches. So you just can't look at it as the same kind of contract uh, if you look up the definition of a contract, it's just, it's a different sort of thing. It's more of a guarantee of money. And in certain cases, you know, for higher profile guys or head coaches, they might say there's a, spe- there's specifying a buyout. If you want to break it, you got to pay us this much money. Um, so on the, on the coaching side, it's like if you're guaranteed, you know, X amount of money for three years or two years, that's what you get if they fire you. On the other side, they could put some sort of buyout in. Where if you do leave, you have to pay this much money. It's usually not the, the value of the entire contract, but they'll put something that in there for the higher profile guys or head coaches that, you know, you bring in and, and you think that they might leave. You're right, Ryan. And sometimes when you move on, they deduct the amount of money they pay you from the job that you're going to. Like you might go to the next job and you say, just pay me a hundred thousand a year and give it on the back end of my contract. And the reason you do that, and believe me, you're upset at the school that got rid of you, so you make them pay the major parts of your contract so they can't deduct that that from what you're making. And then after that, and Lane Kiffin, you saw that from Lane Kiffin. At Alabama, he was making seven fifty, and when his contract ran out at USC, he went to a million four. He let USC pay for a year of his, con- his, his work at, at uh, Alabama. So, you know, there's a lot of that stuff going on. Yeah, definitely for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, that's why... I believe the same, same thing with Steve Sarkeesian. If you get fired as a head coach, and I think we've seen this with Chip Kelly, he doesn't have to work right now because, you know, he had guaranteed money, you know, on his contract. He was let go. And if he goes to work, if he gets a high paying job somewhere, then, it, you know, San Francisco would be off the hook. But he could have got, like, say, the offensive coordinator job at Alabama and not taken that much money and still be making head coaching salary because he got fired early. Um, but yeah, it's just, you just can't think of it, Reggie, as 
some rock solid contract that both people are locked. You sign a two year deal. We can't fire you. You can't go anywhere. Like it just doesn't work that way. That's right, buddy. But remember one thing. We're in the business. We love our business. We love what we do as far as a coach. You understand that everybody in the world isn't making the money that you're making and you're doing something that you don't consider as a job. And, uh, the only rough time it is, it's, uh, it's a terrible time during the holiday season, but most coaching changes happen then. And all of a sudden you're uh, told that you will not be back. And all of a sudden you've got to find a new job. And it's very difficult to move yourself, move your family, move your kids, change schools, sell your house, do all of the above. So it's a rough, rough business. It really is because you're only as good as your last game. Uh, and, uh, but but we all love what we did. Well, Coach, thanks again for coming on. And uh apologize for my voice, everybody out there. But we wanted to do the show. People are emailing, hey, where's the show? Tweeting us. Um We wanted to do the show, so we're back. And uh, hopefully I'm feeling better. We'll try to do some more shows this week, too. This is the final week before spring football starts March 7th. But thanks again, Chuck. Th- Coach, excuse Th- me. Thank you, buddy, and take care of yourself. Get well, and for all of you out there, thank you very much for being a part of all of our shows. Thank you. Certainly, and thanks, Coach, and thanks to Southern California Tickets. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.